United States of Lead is an informative podcast that may contain sensitive material and the occasional F-bomb. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to United States of Lead, a podcast about crime, mental decline, and the history of lead poisoning. This week, we continue our discussion with Tim Pye from the Lead Exposure and Poisoning Prevention Alliance in the UK. Don't forget to check out the sources linked in this week's episode description to learn more about the topics discussed in part two of our interview. One of our episodes, too, we discuss how lead exposure is back on the rise here in the U.S. because of regulation rollbacks. With corporations in the U.K., have there been similar rollbacks in recent years regarding regulations that corporations have to follow when it comes to lead safe? Well, if you haven't got it, you can't roll it back. (laughs) Touche. I am so sorry. (laughs) Touche. No, I can't see any rollback but because it's so little. I do. We have a thing called the Control of Lead at Work Act. I think when I looked at last looked at it, it was something like six companies have been fined in the last nine years. And that's just nothing compared with the, yeah. the industry. We are concerned. I would say that um, we're concerned that since we left the European Union, we're not keeping up with things. So it's not such a rollback as, as not keeping up. The European Union recently improved the regulation of lead in food. So they've reduced some of the levels and added more foods that need to be limited. And they're planning, the EU are planning to stop lead in aviation fuel in 2025. So we'll miss out on that. There are also plans to reduce the, the lead in water to five parts per billion. We currently stand at 10 parts per billion, which is at least better than the US's 15 parts per billion. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, these numbers are... Just it doesn't matter if you don't enforce it. So exactly. Can I go back to aviation? Is it commercial and private aviation that still uses leaded gas? I would say it's mostly private. So you know, okay. it's it's a small piston-engined aircraft yeah, gotcha. helicopters. One of our uh, colleagues was doing an analysis of this and trying to work out. But he was looking about how many people in the UK live within a few kilometres of an airfield that uses leaded gas. So, yeah, so it still happens. I shake my fist when they fly over here. I shake my yeah. fist. <laughs> That'll learn them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
It worked for a while, you know, a couple of years ago, in early early 2020, they, they seemed to stop. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. Seems- <laughs> going around the TikToks, going around the social medias is a perspective on the baby boomer generation. A lot of millennials, a lot of Gen Xers have summed up, oh, the reason why this is happening, the reason why there's not as, as much empathy in the world, boomers all have lead poisoning. Do you have thoughts on that as a widespread exposure to and consequence of lead? But also, do you think there's some energy behind that that almost could be used in a marketing way or just to get more people on board with policies or... Uh, if they massively think that lead is causing this problem with young people and they're making these TikToks, like, I don't know, is that a hook that we could get people to... It'll be hooked. It is a good question, you know, how to get people engaged. I mean, I think just going to run back to one thing, you talk about boomers, I would probably fall into that category. And the big thing that might be energizing is the rise in dementia and Alzheimer's. So I think you've seen the link between lead exposure in a child and then... Mm-hmm. The neurodegeneration as you get older. That could be because people are selfish. That might be a, a driver. In terms of what happens in the, at least in the UK, we don't get people denying the problem, really. I say it's denial. People tend to say, oh, yes, politicians, um, policy leaders will say, yeah, yeah, there's a problem, but it's not my job. It's somebody else's job. And so therefore they don't take it on board. But I would be interested in, in your ideas about how we can get policy changes because I've been trying for five years and sort of keep fishing and keep trying things but really nothing really lands home you know we've talked to people in government and did a press release paid for a press release Mm -hmm. there was one um, journal picked it up and there was no coming back from that you know nothing picked it up we've had newspaper articles things like this but nothing really seems to go viral that's as far as I've been interested in, in your ideas about how do you light the fire I just feel like there is a fire there. I appreciate the mining from my perspective, but I, I, yeah, all I know is that from time to time, I'll have a good conversation with, I, I run into some young people and it's so incredible how introverted they tend to be now. They just have so much weighing on them. They have been robbed of a lot of experiences, as expressive as certainly we were, and as connected as we were, especially in the last few years. So all that being said, when I have brought up this, I don't want to call it a conspiracy theory, but this theory, this or let's just call it a hypothesis, of lead exposure in older people, every time that's brought up, they're just so matter-of-fact about it. They all seem to really stand behind this notion of like, oh yeah, sure, it was lead. Yeah, that's why the government, uh, it's run by people with lead poisoning. Well, that's the frustration though, is because they're still being exposed. So that's where, and I did that one TikTok about it, is this idea that like, yeah, this is how boomers are the way they are, but just because leaded gas was banned doesn't mean that we're not still being exposed. And actually just another interesting thing, when you look at the generation beneath us, it's become comical. They always are showing the vintage, you know, 1980s Garfield and whatever, and and drinking out of them and being like, I'm getting lead poisoning, but it's worth it. You know, and it's become a joke. Yeah. yeah. So that's like the millennials. And I was kind of talking about the Gen Z. That's well, really interesting. They're doing yeah. it too, though, because they're into our vintage, you mm. know, era right now. Uh, all, right. all of our vintage, because we're now that generation where we look back and it's like, you're dressing like that, really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, retro. 
Yes, it's we've become uh, yeah. retro. Yeah, and yeah. I see Who knew those, I was cool. I see those Twitters where I'm just like, or those tweets. See, I sound old, but I just said that. <laughs> but I see those Twitters all the yeah. time. Oh, yeah. But I yeah, they make a joke. My daughters and I say, well, why do you only have your own music? You know, you're listening to Paul Simon and <laughs> <laughs> So I will say, not to break, but our first TikTok where I'm just sitting there and I have the talk to speech, lead poisoning can be hard to detect and all these signs and symptoms. And that's gotten like 20,000 views in the last couple of mm. weeks and people liking and saving it to their favorite. So I kind of feel like that momentum is ready and mm. that we just need to, you know, connect to it. For me personally, I think conversations like this are great. I would love to get to more people in the research area of it where just tell us like, how does this actually affect our brains? You know, and like you said, that video and linking that kind of stuff, because we're so visual. And unfortunately, people's attention spans have decreased. And that's not good for our memories either. But you know, just little bits and then link them to a longer video or something, because it does just feel like, yeah, oh, okay, boomer. And that was the boomer generations like, uh, you can go to Target and get a thermos and put your hot coffee in it and there's lead on it. And mm, it just has yeah. to have that, you know, little stamp probably, on it. Yeah, probably on the outside, isn't it? They seal the bottoms up with them. That's what Tamara Rubin's been campaigning. Yes. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's just Yeah, I mean, that shouldn't, shouldn't be happening. And it's just laziness in the uh, supply chain. They're just not checking their mind, what the manufacturers are doing and just accepting it. That's what happens in the UK. We have trading standards, but they're vastly under-resourced and just can't check enough things. So you end up with like fidget spinners with lead in them and things oh. like that, just because there's nobody checking it. Okay, now I have one of those for my daughter and there's... <laughs> I oh. have to go look at it now because like right when you said it, I'm like... Okay, well, check, see what, yeah, check Tamara's website. She's got a whole thing about that, so... Does she? Okay, yeah, um... yeah, yeah. And that's just the frustrating thing, like we were saying, you know, putting it on the consumer and this is it's your responsibility to check this stuff. It's like it should be the manufacturer's job to check this stuff before I can purchase it. Well, when I put my capitalist hat on, you know, I got to ask, why isn't there a more robust mark? Like, why hasn't Gwyneth Paltrow or a Gwyneth Paltrow like figure capitalized on the boutique lead detection industry i'm just kind of thinking of how things spread and that's certainly you know making something cool or exclusive yeah that sort of celebrity endorsement could be very powerful i did recently write to in the uk there's a thing called a royal foundation for early years where they focus on healthy young healthy infants and so on so i wrote to them and said hey you know this would be a really good thing you need to know about lead exposure in kids and so on that would be very good if you do it because they've got princess kate prince queen i don't know where are they i don't follow the royal so much but anyway the royal family uh, you know and that would be very powerful but they just replied saying oh yeah we've got lots of people we'd like to talk to maybe something comes through but that's yeah getting that sort of attention that populist level would be very powerful but it is difficult to get attention amongst all the other things and i think a lot because it paul you kind of touched on this that it is seen kind of as a conspiracy theory almost and that people are hesitant because like you said as far as the evidence and the data it's this like well it teeters on people thinking that this is a thing in the past it's no longer affecting anybody yeah you gotta move on and so yeah you really have to get their attention 
And I'm hoping with this new season and doing interviews with people in the profession, but also people that it's affected to yeah. hear them actually explain their situation and what they went through. Yeah. When I talk to journalists, they kind of don't like it. They think we can't tell this bad news story. They love terrible news. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe it's a difference. They only love terrible news when it instigates a fight, though, I feel like. And not necessarily just, but I just feel that these stories being told and Paul said, connecting it to social media in a way that grabs your attention. And that's the unfortunate thing is trying to bring people's attention to it without, like we said. I see the two sides of it. There's another uh, Facebook crop. It's about basically support for OCD on contamination. Mm. If you tell people your house is full of poison, some people get really anxious and get very bad in very bad states. You heard of one woman who wouldn't bath a baby because she thought it was lead in the water. Wow. So you have to not just spread fear. You've got to have a solution there as well. So you've got to say, and this is what you can do about it. Mm-hmm. Especially in the UK, I'm concerned if we were successful in making every, lots of people scared and half the population are living in houses that have got lead in them. And you so, don't have a solution for them. It's just, yeah. yeah. And there's no services. So they can go to their health protection teams and they won't be there to be able to come and help. So you've got a big dilemma. Do you raise the awareness and then the service will come along, but they won't be there soon enough for you to try and build up the services and then raise awareness? But that won't happen. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that actually brought to my attention, too, because to make it less the vibe of a conspiracy theory and like lead is everywhere. Yes, it's everywhere. But how are the ways that it's actually going to affect you? Because we know lead and water, like putting your hands in it, it doesn't absorb through your skin. But if you drink it, it's going to, you know, so things like that, where we can put it in context of these are the ways to navigate around it. Yeah, well, I can send you links to some of the things I've written for the lead group. Living with lead, one is about dealing with the fear and the other one is how to fix things. They say about anxiety, it's face it, fix it, forget it. going through that process of knowing how to fix it and how to eliminate the risks it's coming at us all the time you look at a just a piece of ceramic or you go to somebody's house and they put their wine in a lead crystal decanter and you think (laughs) source and there are so many different sources yeah Uh, what i'm doing now within our leap alliance which is a lead exposure and poisoning prevention alliance in the uk and we're just doing a survey of our members just to see what do they think are the biggest risk factors and it was amazing when i was putting together a list of how long it got you know different potential areas of exposure that was my next question what would you rate in the uk as far as your risk of exposure what's at the top and yeah well we'll see what comes out of the survey but my thing would be Lead in dust. There's a little survey going on. It actually, it operates in the UK as well, in the US. Have you seen the, um, I think it's called the Dust 360? Basically, where people are can send in their vacuum cleaner dust and you get an analysis and they tell you how much lead, cadmium, various things in your dust. Then there's a map. If you search for map my environment, you'll see a map. We've obviously done a lot of work in Indianapolis because there's a lot of data there. I think New York as well. Where, where are you based? Where are you? Where are I'm you? Wisconsin. Oh. And I'm Paul's in, Mid- in Minnesota. Oh. We're the upper Midwest. Yeah, yeah. I've done some work in uh, Wisconsin. For a while. Milwaukee is one of the biggest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, I was working in Racine. Oh. Oh, yeah. I'm near the Madison area, but uh -huh. when we lived just outside of Milwaukee, the place we were at that was just recently renovated, that's where the lead dust was. Mm -hmm. And yeah. in Minneapolis, there was lead in the place that we lived in, but it was an old factory. So, And these are just things we don't think about because sure. you're told it's a thing in the past. Yeah, you, you might get risk of it, but yeah, whatever. It's not a big deal. Just ignore mm -hmm. it. That's right. Yeah, we've never seen it. Yeah, so yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And it's that attitude of yeah, I've never had any harm. Ignorance is a, a big problem. Yeah, lead should mean legislation, education, and love decontamination. I love that. That's and what, can you? What was your acronym for lead again? Can you remind me well, what I got that was? Two. I got two okay. words. For, <laughs> for um, tradesmen, it's laziness, excuses, apathy, and denial. For uh, politicians, it's lame excuses and denial. <laughs> that sums it up. So I don't really kind of favour looking at conspiracy theories. I think there is, yeah, there have been obviously examples of how lead using industries promoted lead products in the past. But it's kind of, we've all benefited in a way. Um, it stopped the wood rotting and metal rusting and kept the homes dry and things. It's just unfortunate it's toxic as well. But mm -hmm. we've all benefited from, at least in the UK, the use of lead. So I don't think, you know, we should all take responsibility. I think there's a John F. Kennedy quote that I like. It says, let's not seek to uh, assign blame, but let's all take responsibility for the future. Otherwise, what happens like in the in California, where they sued the paint companies for lead paint, it took them 18 years to get to a resolution. Now, during that 18 years, things are not being done. Mm -hmm. so, you know, going down that road of trying to find out who to blame and then get them to pay, it takes too long, it's too hard. It's too hard doing it anyway, but like, you know, adding that extra it just makes it even harder. Burden of legal proof it makes it even harder. Let's try and get government to take responsibility and deal with the worst first, because mm -hmm. otherwise you get a situation that says, "Well, we can't solve all the problems, so we won't solve any of them." Yeah, we'll right. Go for the worst first, and that's where we are. There's a project going I'm involved with called Eclipse, which I love the acronyms, you see, so which stands for the Elevated Childhood-Led Interagency Prevalence Study, where we're going to try and measure how many children in the UK have lead exposure, because we haven't done any research for about well, 27 years was the last time there was any research. At that time, 27% of toddlers had above 5 micrograms per deciliter. Wow. Now, what's changed since then? Well, we've stopped using lead in gas, but we'd already reduced it quite a lot by that time. Nothing's changed. so we, yeah. yeah, so how yeah. would those numbers be going down? Yeah. And going back to that Dust360, the, the data we've got from the UK so far shows 11% of the samples have got lead in dust that's sufficient to give children more than five micrograms per deciliter. Well, that's what I was just going to say is with, I mean, these home renovation shows and this DIY culture, I mean, that has been on the rise since for the last, you know, 20 years that has been on the rise and how much people just, you know, rip out a window and replace it or they hire somebody and they just assume that those people know how to follow the proper protocol. Yeah, yeah. we're just having to go through these windows here that when they were replaced, basically the... Uh, the fitters just came in with circular saws and just sawed through the old wood, which was thickly covered with lead paint. Just sprayed themselves. Mm -hmm. I saw one guy take the just sheets into his van and shake them inside <laughs> the van. And I go, what the heck? 
There's another company that wanted some work done. I said, asked them, what do they do about lead paint? Do you follow the regulations? And uh, what regulations? I told them what the regulations are. And they basically came back and said, uh, we don't want to do the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When they realized what they were supposed to be doing. So, Frustrating. Yeah. So enforcement and compliance is very poor. Yeah. We need regulations. Well, Things no, need to well, be regulated. In the UK, I'd say we have sufficient regulations, but we don't oh, have yes. insufficient compliance and enforcement. Mm-hmm. So having regulations does nothing if you don't follow them. But there will be people who will follow them if they're told about them. And there's insufficient information to tell people. Like you say, like that paint stirrer thing, if we can get that into the UK. We'll try again. I think, I think I'm in a better position now. We've got the Leap Alliance together and we've got the experts Get a celebrity in there. That would, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. There were a couple of celebrities, comedians in the UK came out of recently of having ADHD. And I thought, yeah, I wonder whether you know. Yes. I mean, we do need to start talking about that because that's yeah. the thing that I've noticed is on social media, we're seeing more people finally getting diagnosed with ADHD. Mm-hmm. But nobody's talking about how this can be linked to that because then people just automatically see it as this conspiracy theory. Even though there's well, researchers there's a... showing there is a link to this. Yeah, yeah. there's a research, I think, uh, I remember that, it's Braun et al., who show that 21% of ADHD can be attributed to lead exposure. Well, I would love to interview whoever did that, because this is the prime time when everybody's seeing this diagnosis, and they're becoming comfortable with this diagnosis and, you know, learning to navigate with it. Yeah, yeah. But we need to bring attention to this side of it, because it is trending, unfortunately, to say that word, but it is, and... There is this community building. And unfortunately, as far as the capitalist consumer side of it, people are getting prescribed more drugs to, you know, deal with it instead of us addressing what we could be doing to minimize. Yeah, yeah. Because you can see if you look at the, the, you'll be able to get the statistics for how many people are diagnosed with ADHD. And if you say, okay, one fifth of those are because of lead exposure, (laughs) you've got a big number. Mm-hmm, exactly. I'm glad we had this conversation because it's making my brain move to realize some areas that we need to yeah. look into to raise awareness. There's so, so much. Somebody t- told me, that, I don't know how they counted them, but they said there are actually 28,500 scientific papers on lead exposure or poisoning. There's such a huge amount of research. Nothing else has been researched as much as this in terms of toxicology. <laughs> well, it's just massive amount of evidence. That's all the time we have for this week's episode. Tune in next week for the third and final installment of our interview with Tim Pye and learn more about the Lead Exposure and Poisoning Prevention Alliance by heading to leappalliance.org.uk. And again, that will be linked in the episode description for this week's episode. Thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you all next week. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to United States of Lead, hosted by Andrea Elizabeth and Paul Kramer. Just a quick disclaimer, Andrea and Paul are not experts in lead poisoning. We do ask that you check our sources and read up a little bit more on your own. Thanks again for listening.